Good evening. Good to see each one of you back tonight. Let's all stand together if you would. Turn to page 52 in your hymn book. Page number 52, the lily of the valley. We'll sing all three verses as we begin tonight. I have found a friend in Jesus. He's everything to me. He's the fairest of 10,000 to my soul. The lily of the valley, in him alone I see. All I need to cleanse and make me fully whole. In sorrow he's my comfort, in trouble he's my stay. He tells me every care on him to roll. The lily of the valley, the bright and morning star. He's the fairest of ten thousand to my soul. He all my griefs have taken and all my sorrows borne. In temptation he's my strong and mighty tower. I have all for him forsaken and all my idols torn from my heart and now he keeps me by his power. Though all the war forsake me and Satan tend me sore, through Jesus I shall safely reach the goal. He's the lily of the valley, the bright and morning star. He's the fairest of ten thousand to my soul. He will never, never leave me, nor yet forsake me here, while I live by faith and do His blessed will. Oh, all of fire about me, I'm nothing now to fear. With this manna, He my hungry soul shall fill. Then sweeping up to glory, I'll see His blessed face, where rivers of delight shall ever roll. He's the lily of the valley, the bright and morning star. He's the fairest of 10,000 to my soul. Amen. Great start tonight, preacher. Well, sure glad to see you back tonight. What a blessing this morning was, amen. And uh, something about being a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. And uh, sure glad uh, that you came back tonight. Looking forward to getting back into the kings and the prophets. And so let's go to the Lord in prayer tonight. Ask God's blessing on our service. It's sure good to have uh, our missionary family, uh, Brother Jack and Miss Lizzie here tonight. Brother Jack Parker, would you open us in prayer tonight? Amen. Why don't you go ahead and be seated uh, tonight. Just wanted to mention a few things. I mentioned some of those uh, this morning. Uh, of course, next weekend starts uh, the month of March, and so quite a few things uh, coming up. Uh, Brother Ben Quinlan, pastors Bible Baptist Church there in Glenwood, Iowa, certainly no stranger uh, to our church. He's going to be here next Sunday preaching uh, Sunday morning and Sunday night, and Brother Eric Watson, our assistant pastor, is going to be preaching uh, that Wednesday, March the 6th. Do pray for us. I'll be preaching uh, the 70th anniversary meeting for Bible Baptist Church there in Cassville, uh, Missouri. And of course, had the privilege to pastor that church for 10 years. And now Brother uh, Don Vesey is the pastor there and sure appreciate him and his family and, and uh, asked us to come and preach and and just excited about what the Lord uh, has for them and, and just trusting the Lord will use us. But do pray for us and be in your place for that. Ladies, don't forget about there's a ladies meeting March the 10th. Uh, and again, that's at 7 o'clock in the evening over uh, in the Fellowship Hall. Our outreach for the month of March is going to be March the 16th. That's a Saturday. That'll be at 1030 in the morning. And then March the 17th, which is Sunday, right after the evening service that night, there'll be a linger longer, again, uh, some fellowship over in the fellowship hall and so make sure you bring some finger foods for that and then of course march the 22nd certainly a big event as we have our annual uh, youth rally and so we're going to have glory bound here with us from heartland baptist bible college and they'll be staying through uh, the weekend and into sun our sunday morning uh, services but then our guest preacher that friday night for the youth rally is Brother Sam Davison, certainly no stranger to our church, uh, but do want to encourage you to be here for that. I think we had over 300 uh, last year, and it was a real uh, blessing, and so just want to encourage our people to be here to help out. We've got some sign-up uh, sheets out there for, you know, drinks and, and 
stuff, amen, and kids need stuff, amen, they need, they need food, all right, and uh, so, but there's some help out there if you'd uh, like to uh, participate uh, in that, and then also wanted to mention this, ladies, also there is a ladies retreat at Riverside Baptist Church that we go to each year, and that's April the 19th through the 20th, and of course that's in the month of April, but the reason I bring that up is because there's a sign-up sheet out there for that, and ladies, if you're interested in going to that, you need to sign up by March the 10th. So again, you've got a couple of weeks to pray about that and to sign up, but make sure uh, that you do that. All right. Okay, Brother Eric, come on ahead. Turn with me in your hymn book, if you would, to page 425. Page number 425, I'll let you remain seated for this song tonight. In times like these, page 425. Let's sing it out together. In times like these, you need a Savior. In times like these, you need an anchor. Be very sure, be very sure. Your anchor holds and grips the solid rock. This rock is Jesus. Yes, He's the one. This rock is Jesus, the only one. Be very sure, be very sure. Your anchor holds and grips the solid rock. In times like these, you need the Bible. In times like these, oh, be not idle. Be very sure, be very sure. Your anchor holds and grips the solid rock. This rock is Jesus, yes, he's the one. This rock is Jesus, the only one. Be very sure, be very sure. Your anchor holds and grips the solid rock. In times like these, I have a Savior. In times like these, I have an anchor. I'm very sure, I'm very sure. My anchor holds and grips the solid rock. This rock is Jesus, yes, he's the one. This rock is Jesus, the only one. Be very sure, I'm very sure. My anchor holds and grips the solid rock. I love in that song how it is very clear to say he is the only one. He's the only one that we can put our faith and trust in. I hope tonight that you have. And as for the Gentry Gutierrez, if you would pray for the offerings tonight, please. Amen. Let's all stand one last time tonight. Turn to page 424. So maybe you kept your place 425. We're going to go right, right across the page. 424, have faith in God. We'll sing all verses tonight for our last song together. 
Have faith in God when your pathway is lonely. He sees and knows all the way you have trod. Never alone are the least of his children. Have faith in God. Have faith in God. Have faith in God. He's on his throne. Have faith in God. He watches o'er his own. He will not fail. He must prevail. Have faith in God. Have faith in God. Have faith in God when your prayers are unanswered. He will never forget. Wait on the Lord, trust His word, and be patient. Have faith in God, He'll answer yet. Have faith in God, He's on His throne. Have faith in God, He watches o'er His own. He will not fail, He must prevail. Have faith in God. Have faith in God. Have faith in God in your pain and your sorrow. His heart is touched with your grief and despair. Cast all your cares and your burdens upon Him and leave them there. Oh, leave them there. Have faith in God. He's on His throne. Watches o'er his own, he cannot fail, he must prevail. Have faith in God, have faith in God, have faith in God, though all else fail about you. Have faith in God, he provides for his own, he cannot fail, though all kingdoms shall perish. He rules and reigns upon His throne. Have faith in God. He's on His throne. Have faith in God. He watches o'er His own. He cannot fail. He must prevail. Have faith in God. Have faith in God. Amen. Great singing tonight. Please be seated. Just before the message tonight, we're going to have a special from Ms. Lauren McRae. crucify they nailed him to a rugged cross and left him there to die they gambled for the royal robes he wore not knowing they had crucified my lord he bore the sin and shame of all there dying I was on his mind his sacrifice and love some don't appreciate but I would like to speak and set the record straight that's my God and I love him that's my Jesus he nothing more than fairy tale he's just a myth or legend his presence is not real his word is not correct believe 
Good stuff tonight, amen. What a blessing and uh, thankful for that. Well, it's sure good to be back in the Lord's house tonight. And so I want to invite you to ta- uh, take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of 1 Samuel tonight in, in chapter number 8. 1 Samuel chapter number 8 tonight. And if you're able to stand, I want to invite you to stand in honor of God's Word. Just going to read a few verses here and going to deal with some things tonight. Now we understand tonight, listen, it, to be saved is to know Christ as your Savior by grace through faith. Amen. And, and so you, you certainly need to know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. You need to be part of a good Bible-believing, independent, fundamental, devil-hating, mission-minded, King James-only Baptist church. Amen. And, and all of that. But let me help you with this tonight. As you get in church and you begin to follow the Lord, you need to raise godly children. And I believe we're going to find that challenge tonight. I just wanted to say all that because the gospel's not in here, and you've got to work it in somewhere, amen. But First Samuel chapter number 8 tonight, verse number 1. The Bible says this, And it came to pass when Samuel was old that he made his sons judges over Israel. Now the name of his firstborn was Joel, and the name of his second Abiah. And they were judges in Beersheba. And his sons walked not in his ways, but turned aside after, after lucre and took bribes and perverted judgment. Then all the elders of Israel gathered themselves together and came to Samuel and to Ramah, and that's his home, that's where his home was at, and said unto him, Behold, thou art old. Well, that, that's a blessing. Good way to start a meeting off right there. You're old. You want to fight about it? Amen, that's... So, behold, thou art old, and thy sons walk not in thy ways. Now make us a king to judge us like all the nations. But the thing displeased Samuel when they said, Give us a king to judge us. And Samuel prayed unto the Lord. Father, would you bless the preaching of your word tonight? And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Won't you be seated tonight? As chapter 7 closed, I I would say to you this, that we saw a spiritual high in, in the nation of Israel. The reason I say that is because they went from Ichabod and the glory of the Lord departing to Ebenezer. And hitherto the Lord hath helped us. I, I like that. From the glory of the Lord departing to the grace of God helping and uh, what a blessing that that is. But, but as we see in our text here, <coughs> excuse me, in chapter number 8, I believe we can see that another dark time is around the corner as Israel rejects God as their king, and they want a man to be their king like all the other nations. 
But what sets this up tonight is the lack of character in the sons of Samuel. As Samuel got older and could not minister for the people as he could do in his younger years, all right, uh, he sets his sons up as judges over Israel like God had called him to do. We're going to point that out in just a minute. Like God pointed him out to do, but he's now doing it to his son. Got to be careful of that. The problem, though, is that they begin to follow. Well, if you've been here through the study of the kings and the prophets, really they begin to follow after, a, after the pattern of Eli's sons, Hophni and Phinehas, as they begin to take bribes from the people, and, and in so doing, they begin to pervert the, the judgment of God. I want you to understand this tonight, and I want to make this very, very clear up front. Samuel is a great man of God. I don't, I don't take stuff like this lightly because this is what I think of in the back of my mind. One day I'm going to be in heaven with Samuel. And I don't want Samuel going, yeah, I remember what you said about me. You understand what I'm saying? So, so you, you need to realize, listen, I, Samuel is a great man of God. All right, his testimony, as we're going to see in chapter number 12, I'm telling you, it's, it's impeccable. But, but Samuel shows us tonight, listen to this, no matter how spiritual a person is, they will always have a weakness. Because men are flawed, because men are sinners. So we're always going to have a battle. We're always going to have a struggle. We're always going to have... A weakness, but what I'm saying to you tonight is this, is that for Samuel, his weakness was a serious one because it was his home. I, I titled the message tonight, and I mentioned it this morning at the end of the morning service, but the message, to, the title of it tonight is this, The Failure of Samuel. This is the one thing that we could say tonight that, that Samuel, it, man, I'm telling you, he, he just, he, he messed it up here, right, right here. That, that's the only way I know how to say it. And I think that when I do get to heaven, Samuel's probably going to agree with some of these things. All, all right? But, and, and so you got to understand this. While I understand the ages here and that his sons were adult men, they were adult men at this time, and they bear responsibility for their sin. Please listen to this tonight. Samuel also bears some responsibility here. And really, his example serves as a warning, especially to those that are in ministry. If a man in ministry fails in his home, he has failed in ministry altogether. I wrote that quote down. That's to me tonight. If a man in ministry fails in his home, he has failed in ministry altogether because your home is your first ministry. The point of the message tonight is to say this. Folks, if it can happen to Samuel, it can happen to any one of us tonight. And may we all take heed tonight not to neglect the first ministry that God has given us, and that ministry is your homes tonight. And you and I need to understand this. Now, my wife and I, we have an ongoing joke. She will say to me things like this, look for it like a woman. And some of you men are perking up right here because let me have you, listen, I can spot a deer a half mile out in a field while going 80 miles an hour down the interstate. Did you see that deer? No. But the other thing is this, is that I can't see the bottle of ketchup in the refrigerator sitting right in front of me. So my wife will say, she, uh, so I'll ask her, I'll say, what did you do with the ketchup? And she will say, look for it like a woman, not a man. And so that means this, move a couple of things and you'll find it. Because it's usually right there in, in front of you. The, the point is this, is that we do have a tendency to miss things under our noses. And while that might be funny when it comes to a bottle of ketchup, my friend, that's not funny when it comes to your kids and, and spiritual things. There, there is balance here tonight. You, you understand? Your, your children don't need to become an idol that dictates everything that you do in the home. But at the same time, they don't need to be neglected either. They need to be brought up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And what I believe we're going to see tonight is this, is that Samuel neglected this, this aspect of his life. 
And really, ultimately, that's the fruition of what takes place in our scene. Now, before we get into this thing tonight, I do want to point out, I do want to point out just a couple of things to make sure that we're clear on these things. And certainly one of those would be this, is that Samuel's sons, they do show us the responsibility that, that our young people have of partaking in spiritual matters. The, these men, listen, they were adult men. And, and they bear responsibility here. Is everybody getting this? I want to make sure that I'm clear on that. They should have had regard for the things of God like Samuel did. However, they did not. All right? They show us, listen to this tonight. They show us that we are not just a product of our environment. Oh, mercy, I'm so sick of that. I'm telling you, I may fly off the handle on a few things tonight and vent. You just bear with me. And if you like it, amen. If you don't like it, don't freak out, all right? But, but I'm telling you, we're a product of our choices. And in verse 3, I want you to look down at verse number 3. It says this. Look at it. It says, And his sons walked not in his ways, but turned aside after lucre and took bribes and perverted judgment. I'm telling you, you know what that shows me? That shows me this. They knew what was right. They knew. The problem was this, is that, listen, neglected or not, they chose not to walk in the ways of their father, Samuel. And young people and even young adults that are here tonight, you need to listen to this. There is an expectation that you will decide to make your parents your God. Man, that didn't go over very well. Listen, listen to me tonight. There is an expectation that you will decide to make your parents your God, their Savior, your Savior. Because that's why you're in an environment like this. You, you understand? Because, listen, because they love you and they want you to know of God's love for you. But you've got to make that choice. You've got to make that decision. They can't make that for you. The only thing that they can do is be faithful and put you in an environment like this where you will hear the preaching of God's Word and you will understand that Christ died for you, that you're a sinner, that you need to be saved, that just because mom and dad are safe or grandma and grandpa are safe, it doesn't automatically make you right with God. You, you have to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And, and secondly, here's the other thing you need to understand tonight. You will bear the responsibility of your choices. You will ultimately become a product of your choices. You, I'm telling you, listen, you, and you can't, I'm not, you cannot look back and shift the blame to mom and dad and make the excuse of your environment, uh, that, that it's your environment, as the consequences of your choices unfold in your life. Well, you know, mom, am I, it was my, it's, it's there. They were, they treated me like this and they done this. No, really, maybe, maybe, maybe it's just because you're an idiot. The reality is you can have a person in a terrible environment come out of that environment and have great success. You know why? Choices. But you can also have a perfect environment and a person come out of that environment and utterly fail in life. You know why? Choices. Because, listen, in Adam and Eve are a perfect example of this. Perfect. Because they were in a perfect environment. They only had one commandment. And they blew it. Why? Because of the choice that they made. And, and here we are in 2024, still enjoying it. I said that with every ounce of sarcasm that my spiritual gift could utter out. But isn't that so very true tonight? Listen, I'm, I'm telling you, so Samuel, listen to me, Samuel, the sons of Samuel bear some responsibility here. You know what, just like we bear the responsibility of our own decisions, but, but here's the second thing. Samuel does show us that his family wasn't wasn't the priority that it should have been. And so therefore, he does bear some responsibility in this as well. I want you to look down at verses 5 and 6 very carefully with me tonight. I want you to watch this. I've never, really, I've never seen this before, and I was going back through and, and just reading this, and all of a sudden it was just like, pow, it just jumped off the page at me. Watch, what's, watch the conversation here. 
So the elders of Israel in verse 4, they gather themselves together and they come to Samuel at his home in Ramah. And in verse 5, and said unto him, Behold, thou art old, and thy sons walk not in thy ways. Now make us a king to judge us like all the nations. But the thing displeased Samuel when they said, Give us a king to judge us. And Samuel prayed unto the Lord. Did you notice this? That when they came to Samuel and they gave him an evil report of his sons and that they decided that they wanted a king like all the other nations, the thing that displeased Samuel was not the report of his sons. It was that the nation of Israel desired to have a king like all the other nations. Listen to me. That's not the response of a man who has his home has his home as a priority in his life. I'm telling you, friend, that, that is so very true. Samuel's sons, listen to me tonight, Samuel's sons were right under his noses. But he neglected them while he focused on guiding Israel to follow God. And I'm telling you tonight, listen to me, that's a dangerous thing to do. Because this is the end result. It is poor character and poor choices in our children. And I want you to think about this tonight. Listen to this. Where most of the time we stress to be a godly example to your children because many parents have this idea. Well, I'll just tell my children, you, you do as I say, not as I do. And they think that's going to work. Listen to me tonight. That never works. They're always going to do what you do. This is why we stress. Be be a godly example, but Samuel shows us that just being an example isn't enough. You, you have to, they have to be a priority in your life. Samuel, Samuel was a godly example. He just wasn't intentional as a parent. You know, I like that, I like that statement, purposeful parenting. And Samuel just, he missed that. If there is one thing that I could stress to parents and even grandparents that are here tonight, great-grandparents, whatever level or stage you're at in the hierarchy of your family, however you want to put it, it would be this. Make your children a priority in your life. Because where Samuel, listen, think about this. Where Samuel wanted a legacy, who doesn't? Samuel, where Samuel wanted a legacy for himself, and even for Israel in his sons, which is why he made them judges in, cha- in verse number one. But, but, but because he didn't make them a priority, he also failed in leaving a spiritual legacy through his children and ultimately a nation. What I'm trying to get across to you tonight is this, is that his heart's desire was right under his noses, but he didn't make them a priority. Son, y'all slept through this morning. Please don't sleep through this tonight. Because I'm telling you, you need to listen to this. I love you, but you need to grab a hold of this tonight. I'm telling you, listen, this is so important. Raising godly children has to be a priority. You know why? Because it doesn't happen by accident. It doesn't. It happens with intention. And And here's something else to consider. And Natalie and I were actually even talking about this this past week. We're watching where children are becoming the excuse that families use to get out of church. When it ought to be the reason you're in church. That, that, listen, especially when they're smaller. And I, listen, I'm telling you, this is what people say. Well, all they're going to do is go to the nursery, so, so I'm going to stay home and watch, and, and watch live stream. And while that might sound okay on the surface, it's really not. And let me explain why. Because one, the nursery removes the distraction from your life that's one years old so that you can sit under the preaching of God's Word and get what you need spiritually so that you can be the parent that God intends for you to be. And you can live stream, but you mark it down, there's going to be a distraction that's right there that's going to constantly need your attention. And it's amazing how when, when you're home, they're more distracting. And you can call that what you want, but I call it spiritual warfare. It's almost like the devil sitting right there pinching them. And then you got the dogs barking. I don't even want to talk about that. I've got two if anybody wants to. 
But here's the thing, you probably won't get anything done but check a spiritual box off in your life that really didn't mean a thing. But here's the second thing, and I want you to listen to this, and this is probably the most important one. When you do stuff like that, you're creating bad habits. You're creating a routine where your child is your excuse to neglect the things of God in your life. And by the time they're old enough to be out of the nursery, you know what happens? You find another excuse to stay home. And eventually, here's the end result. You're out of church altogether, and you raise up kids that don't know anything about Christ, that don't know anything about God, that don't know anything about church, that don't know anything about serving God. Listen, I, I thought about this tonight as an experienced pastor and parent. And pastoring for 16 years and parenting for 25 years. And I do feel like this. I think we've done a pretty decent job. Let me, let me give you some advice tonight. Yes, children can be a hassle. Probably the understatement of the message. They Listen, they have a lot of energy. I swore up and down if we could ever bottle it up, sell it, we'd be millionaires. We could get a new parking lot. They require a lot of patience and work. And yes, they will have their struggles in nursery and Sunday school class and junior church. But please listen to this. It is so worth it in the long run. It's so worth it in the long run. And there needs to be balance tonight. There needs to be a balanced expectation with our workers and the children's ministries that, you know what? Kids are going to misbehave. Even the pastor's kids. They, they are. Mine thinks that you come to church for her. That's her mom. She's, I don't know. She's bad influence in her life. They're, they're, listen, ch children are going to misbehave. No child is perfect. But there also needs to be the same balance with parents. Your children shouldn't be misbehaving and should be corrected when they are. And when they misbehave, and they will, be willing to receive a bad report from their teacher instead of getting defensive and acting like your child is perfect and it's the teacher's fault. Man, that, mercy, that'll help you right there tonight. I'm so sick of that. Well, my kid would never do that. And I'm thinking, you are dumb as a box of rocks. Leave them alone for about 15 minutes and just watch. The point is this. L listen, make, the prior make them the priority. Be willing to put the work in. And here's the thing. And don't let petty stuff, I'm so sick of this. Don't let petty stuff or a foolish heart keep you from having your kids in the house of the Lord. Now, now, now that we've seen all of that, I feel so much better now. <laughs> let me give you a couple of things that, that at least that I noticed, that, that I believe that, 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 that was in Samuel's life, his, his parenting aspect of his life. That, that hindered his sons from being a priority in his life. Number one tonight, it's just two things tonight. We're just going to camp on these just for a little bit. But the first thing is this tonight. Listen, listen moms, dads, grandmas. Grand, I, listen, this applies to everybody tonight. L listen to this. Be careful not to get too busy. I want you to go back to chapter number seven. I want you to look at the end of the verses. Now remember, they went from Ichabod to Ebenezer, but then at the end of chapter number 7, it kind of captioned Samuel's ministry, and Samuel judged Israel all the days of his life. Now watch this. He went from year to year in circuit to Bethel and Gilgal and Mizpah and judged Israel in all those places. You, want, you listen to that? Now, now you got to understand, he didn't take the bus, he didn't drive his pickup truck. There was no train. Does everybody... I mean, he hooked it. And this is not an easy journey. And I didn't figure out the mileage tonight because I don't think we got time for that. I think everybody understands this. This is a long round trip. He's a circuit riding preacher, so to speak. Actually, he's a circuit walking preacher. Maybe he had a camel. I don't know. But he judged Israel in all those places. And then in verse 17, and his return was to Ramah, for there was his house. 
And there he judged Israel, and there he built an altar to the Lord. So this shows us the circuit that Samuel made as he judged Israel through his lifetime. But here's the thing. When you get into chapter 8, and and then you find out that his sons had poor character, and so this tells me that Samuel was so busy in ministry that he neglected taking the time that he needed to be intentional as a parent. And the point is to say this, folks, listen, the same thing can very easily, so very easily happen to you and me. We are, listen, we are a busy people. It scares me how busy we are. It is, and I, listen, and personally I believe this, we are too busy. And I, I really, I really think this, I really believe that's one of the big reasons why we, when people come in to churches today, they struggle to, to focus and to pay attention and all of those things because usually that's the first time we've sat down and stopped all week. And you come into the house of the Lord and you go, oh. And then you're like, I'm ready for a nap. But we're ready for preaching. And so you got to be careful of that. And while I realize we live in a fast-paced and highly highly stressed society, somebody say amen to that. I also wonder this, how much of all that stuff that we've got How much of that is really just stuff we put on our own plate? And it's really not something that we actually need to do. And maybe what we need to do is clear some of that stuff off and make time for more important matters. Like spiritual things. Or our kids. Let me, let me warn you tonight, listen, listen be, be, be real careful about getting too busy with worldly things. And, and what I, listen, you, please listen to this tonight, let me get, get, get you to understand what I'm saying to you. Some things in and of themselves are okay. They're okay. The problem is they become evil when we make an idol out of them. And I, listen, I've already mentioned tonight that children, children are okay in and of themselves. That's what we're talking about. Some of you are like going, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> no, they're okay in and of themselves, but the problem is this. Look, we can make an idol out of them. We can make an idol out of our kids. And I, Listen, and what I mean by that is this, is that rather than God and His Word dictating the priorities in a home, the children begin to do that. And that's, listen, that's a dangerous place to be. And all of a sudden, what they quote-unquote need and really what they want to do determines how the home life be, begins to operate. And I listen, and I understand there's a multitude of circumstances in situations, and everybody's got certain things. I realize all of that, but I'm saying to you, no matter the situation, we can still fight to keep Christ at the center. But this is, this is the big one that I have seen a tremendous amount of in our day and time, and that is this, sports. And I listen, you could put in here whatever you want, but I, just the, to me, just watching some of the stuff today, when I, listen, when I was a kid, all right, you didn't, you didn't play games or practice on Wednesdays or Sundays. When I was a kid, that's the way it was. And we didn't, you know, that, that's, how, that, that's how it was. You also had seasons where, you know, like I would play baseball, and then when baseball season was over, I played football, and then when football season was over, I played basketball, and then when basketball season was over, I did not play soccer because that was against our religion. Baseball season was coming around the corner. <clears throat> but nowadays, man, listen, you, you, and you, here's the thing, and you tr- might have traveled, but it was all locally unless you were in a district game or a state championship. I remember for the state championship, we just went to St. Augustine, Florida, which was, you, you know, a few hours away. But I, listen, it's, it's so different this year or this time in life. Baseball is now year-round. And practices is every day, and games are all weekend long. And I've known, listen, I've known parents that traveled not just down the road or whatever to the next city. I'm talking about different states. Just for a tournament. And I'm not talking about across the Missouri, you know, Kansas border. I'm talking about a long ways, multiple hours, driving overnight, even flown by plane. Folks, look at me. That is ludicrous. When your kid throws like a girl and can't even hit a fastball, 
There's a real good chance they're not going to make it to the majors. I hate to break that one to you. I'm just telling you, that, that, folks, that is idolatry. And here's the sad part. They're probably not going to make a living off of it. You've wasted tons of money and time. They've wasted their childhood. And when it's all said and done, when we stand before God, what's not going to matter is how good they were at some sport. What's going to matter is whether or not they knew Jesus Christ as their Savior and whether or not they served Him with all their heart and soul and mind. Somebody say amen tonight. I'm just telling you, we've got to understand that. Please, and please, please don't misunderstand me. I am not against sports. I'm, I'm not against that at all. My, my son uh, played sports. Uh, you, you know, my daughters, they wanted to read books, but my son, man, we would get out there and play, and, 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 I, and I'm all for that. Sports are good, man. They get out there and exercise. That's way better than playing video games. And they learn sportsmanship. They make friends. All, all of that good stuff. But what I'm saying to you tonight is this. Don't let that take priority over raising godly kids. Your responsibility as a parent isn't to relive your childhood through them. Or, or to carry out some dream you have through, through them. It is to see them trust Christ as their Savior and to live for, them, and to live for Him. And you do that not by letting sport become an idol and, 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 and you get too busy for God. You do that by making Him a priority and them a priority in your life. My son uh, played football every year. He, played, he started out with the flag football. It was funny. We went to the first practice and he was tackling kids with no pads on. I was like, hey, buddy, you got that's not. You just pull the flag. That's how that works. Oh, man, that's all. And as he came up, he played Mighty Might, you know, and the Pee Wee, I don't know what you call it, but we, we had Pop Warner. And so he played, the, you know, the Mighty Mites and the Pee Wee all the way up. And he went all the way from, you know, kindergarten and first, second, third, first, all the way through the elementary and stuff. And, and he even played basketball and stuff at the YMCA there in town and all that stuff. But I can remember this. I remember when we would have revival meetings and things like that, and we'd have them through the week. And they didn't have practices on Wednesday night, and I was very grateful for that. And they didn't have games on Sunday. They were always on Saturday. And so they'd have practice Monday and Tuesday and Thursday and Friday. A lot of times they wouldn't have it on Monday, too. Um, it just depended, uh, depended on what was going on. But this is what I'd tell the coach. So that we didn't have practice on Wednesday night, but I'd say, look, we're having a revival meeting this week. Practice starts at 6 and he'll be here, and he'll practice the whole time. But at 6.45, he's coming with me, and we're getting in the truck, and we're going to the church for the, for the meeting. And the coach would go, okay, preacher, you know, whatever you need to do. And so, sure enough, 6.45 would come, and I'd whistle, you know, and he'd, he'd get in the back of the truck, and, you know, the Durango, and we'd drive down the road, and he'd be back there changing pads, and I'd jerk the wheel, and it's pretty awesome when he'd go across the... Anyway, you got to have a little fun, man. How'd you like that? But that's like a linebacker hitting you right there. Man. And there were times, I can remember this, there were times, I think it was one time where they were going to the Super Bowl thing, their, their championship and stuff like that. And so they said, we're going to have practice on, we're going to have practice on Wednesday. And so you guys need to be there. And, and we weren't having a meeting that week, but I just looked at the coach and I said, that's not going to happen. He'll be there for the first part of it, but then he's coming with me and he's going, going to church. I'm listen. Now, here's the thing. Some parents might not like that or think, you know, you're just being too strict or narrow-minded. You're just a preacher and you're required to do that. No, 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 no. You need to listen to this. Because the truth is, I was teaching Him. You need to make Christ a priority in your life. You know why? Because He is a priority in my life. And my son was a priority in my life. And I wanted to see him learn and to reverence him like I reverence him and walk with him like I walk. Does anybody get what I'm saying tonight? And, I, and I'm just telling you, friend, listen, I, I've never, I have never, and I want you to listen to this tonight. I've never been interested in raising, I love sports, I'm telling you. I love college football, baseball, basketball, I love all of it except for soccer. But I have never been interested in raising kids great at sports. My priority has been to raise godly kids. And that kept me from getting too busy with worldly things.
But Samuel wasn't busy with worldly things. Samuel was busy with spiritual things. And I'm going to tell you something, that too can be a danger. It's not good when your children think you care more for God's people than you do them. Or you're so busy serving or doing something at the church that you can't take time to do something with them. And that was Samuel. And again, while I realize his ministry to Israel was important, so too was his ministry at home. And the reality is this, Samuel needed balance in his life and there wasn't. And what I'm trying to warn you of tonight is this, is that the same can happen to you and me if we're not careful. I love my pastor's advice. He says this, and this is one of his ministry rules. He says this, always have something on your calendar that you and your family can look forward to. A vacation. Maybe a special trip or event, something along those lines. You know why? Because those kids and your wife need to know that you care about them. They're a priority in your life. But also, listen, take time to talk with them. Spend time with them. Do something fun with them. Listen to this. Ministry shouldn't be something they grow to hate because it's in competition with them for their mom and dad's affection. Ministry should be something our children grow to love because their parents' affections are already prioritized to them. And then they all serve the Lord together. The reality is, listen to this. I'm telling you, listen to this. I'm staying with my notes a little bit tonight because I wrote down some really good stuff and sometimes I scare myself. But the reality is this, and I want you to think about this. It's so e- Listen, it is so very easy for the ministry to become an idol. Just like sports. And the reason it's so easy is because ministry is about serving God And so we deceive ourselves into thinking, well, I'm serving the Lord. But the reality is this, is that if all you're doing is ministry, but you're neglecting your family and your home, you're really not right with God. Because you're neglecting the first ministry He gave you. A sad statement, I'm telling you, this, this is a sad statement, but I have seen... I've seen families ruined by ministry. And I'm not, listen to me, and I'm not talking about a church eating up a a family, a young couple, and chewing them up and spitting them out because they were mean and cruel and all this stuff. I'm talking about they got things out of balance. And they got so caught up in serve, 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 do, 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 and all of these things that they neglected spending time with their kids and spending time with one another and think, listen, things got so stressful and, and overwhelming. I, listen, I know of a church, I, I can remember years ago, a church reaching out to me and they didn't have a pastor. And the reason they didn't have a pastor is because it was an overwhelming ministry and it was a young family. And it got, and, and I'm just telling you, it got so overwhelming and so stressful. And, and the guy was working so all kinds of crazy hours and neglecting his family until finally he comes home one night and everybody's gone. The wife packed the kids up and her and they left. And what I'm saying to you tonight is this. That's not how it's supposed to be. That's not how it's supposed to be. And may we be careful to protect our families and not let, not, and listen, not even let ministry devour them. But that we would, we would, we would prioritize our kids and not get so busy that we don't have time for them. But here's the second thing, and I'm going to be through tonight. Look, look back up with me at verse number 1 of chapter number 8. It says, And it came to pass when Samuel was old that he made his sons judges over Israel. Now the name of the firstborn was Joel, the second Abiah. They were judges in Beersheba. And his sons walked not in his ways, but turned aside after filthy lucre and took bribes in perverted judgment. One of the most precious scenes... In 1 Samuel, to me, is where Samuel is a child and God is calling him. Man, I love, I love, that, I love that scene as, as God speaks and says, Samuel, and Samuel wakes up, jumps out of his bed as a little boy and just runs through the temple there and goes to Eli and says, yeah, yes, uh, Master, what did you need? Uh, what did you need, Eli? 
And he does that two or three times until Eli finally figures out what's going on. It's God that's calling you. Just say, yes, Lord, uh, thy servant heareth. Or speak, Lord, thy servant heareth. What a, what a great scene. But here's why I bring that up. God called Samuel. But now Samuel is taking place, the place of God in his son's lives. And calling them. And my friend, that's not good. You know what the second warning for us tonight is this? Be careful not to determine God's will for your kids' lives. And I'll tell you why. Because one, look at the results in verse number three. It says this, that they, they, they turned aside after filthy lucre, took bribes, and of course ended up perverting judgments. Here, here's the thing. When you're not called by God, you don't see yourself as accountable to God. I'm telling you, that's so huge in ministry. There's a lot of guys that are in ministry have no business being in ministry because they're not called. And there's no accountability to God in their life. And bribery and money is the end results. But, but here's the second thing, and I want you to listen to this tonight. Mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, listen to this. You are robbing your children of an opportunity for them to seek the Lord and experience His working in their lives. And I'm telling you, had that happened here, had Samuel just prayed, loved on them, made them a priority, and God done a work in their life, we may never even not have had a Saul or, or a David. We may have skipped Saul and went right into David. You ever think about that one? I think, and again, this is just coming from parental wisdom tonight and experience, so you can take it for what you will. And I, look, look, I get kids that are like 16, 17, 18 years old. They're fixing to make the next step from graduating high school and, and going into whatever it is. And, and I get that there can be a tremendous amount of pressure. I think one thing that will relieve the pressure is this. Just let, let them know right up front, you don't even need to be thinking about the opposite sex right now. That will remove a lot of pressure. I'm so sick of this youth departments becoming dating pools and stuff like that. I'm sure glad we don't got that at our church. Because that doesn't need to be happening. But I do think this, and I want you to listen to this. I do think that kids need to feel the pressure to a certain extent. Now let me explain this. And I, I get it. When you're 16, 17, again, 16, 17 years old, you may not know what you want to be when you grow up. I'm still not sure I do. I was thinking about the Bassmasters tournament this morning, but... But you understand, listen, you may, not, you may not know what you want to be. And, you, and here's the thing. You may not even know what God wants you to be. But there still needs to be some pressure for you to seek His will for your life. Because I can definitely say this. Staying up till 2 a.m. and playing video games and then sleeping till noon, that's not part of God's plan. Just looking at some young people, making sure they were paying attention on that one. But here's the point. Kids miss this when we determine that for their lives. I've known some kids who should be in ministry, but they aren't because their parents discourage them from it. But on the other hand, I've known some kids that have no business being in ministry, but they were there because their parents forced them to. Look at me. Both of those are wrong. Both of those are wrong. Don't, listen, don't determine God's plan for their lives. Let God do that. I love what my pastor used to say to me when we, he was dealing with us about going to Bible Baptist in Cassville, Missouri, because I drove him nuts. Every time I saw him, I'd go, Did, have you heard anything? It got to the point where if he saw me coming, he would go, and turn around and go the other way. But this is what he would always say to me, brother, or he would, call, he would call me Bubba. So if I call you Bubba, that's usually why, because that's what he would call me. I remember calling one of the kids at Cassville Bubba, and he said, that's not my name. My name is Reese Harvey Lakey. I'm sorry. But he would say this. He would say, Bubba, God's got your number, and he knows how to dial it. You know what? That's just a redneck way of saying this. God knows how to speak and show you his will for your life. <laughs> 
He knows how to do that for your kids too. Listen, let God take care of that. Look, 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 let them seek the Lord. Hey, let them feel the pressure. Because pressure produces. Don't believe me, give a test. Give an exam. It's amazing how much people can cram in their minds in the middle of the night. Right before. Pressure's on. It produces. But let, listen, but encourage them in the, in, in the direction... Encourage them in the direction of seeking the Lord. It's kind of funny, and I was actually thinking about this in this message, and my, my son Luke. And there was a we we were sitting on the couch one night, and I think maybe the ladies were having a ladies meeting or something, and and so we were we were uh, sitting at home and anxiously waiting for the the girls to come home and bring home any leftovers. <laughs> Amen. Amen. It's worth the wait, isn't it? You know, it's like, you know, potato bar. I'm excited about that one. <laughs> and I really want to stress the and or desserts to say and desserts. <laughs> Focus. We were sitting on the couch. And I just, you know, we started talking. And I said, well, Bud, what do you, you know, what do you want to do with this? What do you want, what do you want to be when you grow up? You know, just cutting around and, you know, what, what are you thinking about? What do you, you know? And he goes, he goes, well, he goes, you know, I thought about, I was like, you know, I remember you saying something about being an electrician. And he goes, yeah, but I saw Brother Tim get up on that ladder and change that bulb in the gym. So now I'm thinking about welding. <laughs> and he saw Brother Tim go there and he goes, you know, I don't think that's for me. <laughs> and then I started telling him about, well, you know, I've been up in some pretty high places too. But that was a long time ago, and so that's why I have Brother Tim. <laughs> we talked a little bit about trade school. Learn trade. You know, I don't think there's nothing wrong with that. You know, it's, there's so much pressure on kids to go to college. and do, All college does is just show for four years you can do what you're told to do and have responsibility. And th- that's really what that is. You know, I mean, the degree is nothing more than a piece of paper on the wall, and you're going to learn more at the job that you get than you ever will in school. I don't, there's nothing wrong with that. You feel like, you know, hey, college is not for me. More education. I want to learn a trade and go make a living. Praise God. Glory, hallelujah. Man, there's nothing wrong with that. But here's what I would say is that when you go out there, make sure that you're an example and you're not influenced by their ungodly example. Because I've worked with a lot of welders that are wicked and evil and things like that. But I'm telling you, I've worked with a lot of guys that were Christian men. And you can do that or whatever, you know, what plumber, welder, lawnmower, well, I don't, whatever. And then we talked about military. And I, man, I love the military. My son would have went in the military. I'd have went straight down there and bought me a hat, whatever branch it was. My son would have, awesome. I loved it. I said, man, that'd be good for you, buddy. I'd give you some discipline and things like that. I said, but my fear is, is that when you go into the military, you're going to get around guys that are going to influence you in ungodly things, and you need to be thinking about that too. I said, it might be good for you to go to a year at Heartland and get a year under your belt and get gross spiritually, things like that. And then if you feel like that's something the Lord wants you to do. And I said, oh, speaking of the Lord. You know, really, we can talk about this all we want to. But the real question you've got to answer is this. What does the Lord want you to do? About three weeks later, we're having a missions conference, and Brother Jack Parker gets up on Sunday night after letting everybody know God had called him to Japan, and he preaches. My son goes to the altar. He's standing back there. Man, what a great time. Everybody's shouting hallelujah. What a great week we had in missions conference. My son walks up to me. Dad. <laughs> Looking down, you know, six foot three. And, Can I talk with you for a minute? Sure, bud. Walk in my office. Tears start running down his face, and he says, God's calling me to preach. I'm sure glad God done it, and I didn't. I guess we can sit here tonight. 
and we not make our family, our kids, our children a priority, and we can get caught up with all the busyness of life, and we can try to determine for them some things to do so that they can be successful in worldly adventures or whatever the case may be, but spiritually speaking, the product isn't going to come out too good. That's right. And maybe we can sit here tonight as moms and dads and grandmas and grandpas and go, you know what? They do need to be a priority. And maybe I do need to clear a little bit more off my plate so that I can spend some quality time with them, have an influence on them. And I can challenge them to seek the Lord for their life because what He has for them is so much more better anything I could ever think. Let's all stand.